This is the It's Not So Late Show with your host, Aaron Hanania, the voice of young America, interviewing celebrities, influencers, and exploring unique and interesting stories that you need to hear. And now, please welcome your host of the It's Not So Late Show, Aaron Hanania! Joining me now is Paul Conrad, member of the WGN Morning News Team, Chicagoland's most watched and top-rated morning show. In addition to being a nine-time Emmy Award-winning television weather anchor, Conrad is one of the nicest and funniest TV personalities, reflecting the humor that WGN's morning show brings to audiences with Larry Ponass, Robin Baumgarten, and Pat Tomasulo. He also hosts the Courtesy Desk segment at WGN, which looks at interesting facts of the history of WGN in a humorous way and takes suggestions from viewers. So thank you so much for joining me today, Mr. Conrad. Listen, it's great to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Of course. So in addition to providing, you know, news and information, you guys do it in a hilarious way. So do you think that leads to helping your show be successful as it is? Yeah, I think so. I think that um, news, uh, you can get it anywhere, right? You can get it on your phone. I get it primarily off my phone. And, um, you know, people want information, but I also think that they want, they don't want to be beat up every morning with the worst news of the day, right? Like you want to be informed as to what's going on. You want the information, you want to know weather, traffic, but you also don't want to, at the end of watching a newscast, to feel like you need to go run out into traffic to off yourself because the day is filled with such miserable news. And so I think uh, what we've been trying to do here for a while now is to provide this alternative where we're going to give you the content that you need to know. We're also going to try to have some fun along the way and kind of do this entertainment personality driven show. And it's been successful. It's crazy that it's been on for like 26, 27 years and has wow. had the success that it has had. Uh, but I'm thrilled to be a part of it. That's awesome. So these routines, how do you guys work this out? Do you guys meet beforehand almost like a think tank, come up with the ideas? Do you get some help with the producers? How does it work? Because you guys pull this off flawlessly. I know this morning I watched you guys, I think you did six or seven of those segments back to back to back, almost like rapid fire. How do you guys come up with those ideas? Well, um, we've got a lot of great producers. That's uh, one of the biggest benefits of being there is that we were staffed well. We don't rehearse. That I think is maybe is something that helps us. I think the other part of it is that uh, we've got a bunch of people that are um, savvy improvisers right. and uh, we've got enough producers to kind of say, I'm going to throw them this material and I'm going to trust that they're going to use it and have some fun along the way and make it work. But we've got so many talented people. we got Robin who she can talk for three days if you want her to about you pick a topic and she's just got this personality that uh, is so winsome and authentic. Uh, and then we got snarky uh, Pat Tomasulo, who's willing to take an opposing position. We just have enough of the kind of goofball personalities that it works somehow or another. Right. And I was going to talk about, you know, Pat does comedy and you're a funny guy. So do you guys ever clash, you know, when you and during the segments, you know, where you guys are throwing jokes back and forth? How does that work out? You know, here's uh, the, the truth on that is it works out really well because I think ultimately, like everybody on our show knows that we care for, trust and respect each other, right? Like we can make fun of Robin, uh, which we love to do. 
because she knows that in real life and ultimately that we authentically do care for her, right? And so there's this safety where, and also the other part of it is that none of us take ourselves so seriously that we feel like, oh, you can't joke about me. Uh, none of us kind of fall into that category. We kind of recognize we're just all happen to be a couple of very fortunate mopes who have all kind of landed it together and have had a lot of success, but uh, none of us take ourselves serious enough that we're offended by each other. So we kind of care for each other. That makes it safe for us to make fun of each other and uh, not worry about getting called into human resources or getting fired or any of that other stuff. So I think that's kind of the magic of it. Plus, like we've been around for a long time. So Rob and I started working together to say this, but maybe like 28, 29 years ago. And we've been working side by side at WGN for the last 25. And Larry's been there for 27. And Pat's been there, I think, for 15. So there's these long-term relationships that uh, are genuine and we care about each other. And it just gives us this freedom and safety to have fun and not worry that if I call wrong on the door, uh, she's going to be mad about it. Right. And, you know, that's something about WGN. You know, when you got into this career of, you know, journalism and video journalism, did you expect to go that route? Or did you go to expect maybe like your, you know, your parent, or like a competitor company like ABC7 where it's very straightforward. It's only the news. There's no fun. There's no jokes. You know, how did that come into play? You know, did you expect that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think all this kind of started in this straightforward news business. Right. And, um, I have long, long said that I find TV news, especially local TV news, incredibly boring and predictable. Right. Like they're going to do these 10 stories and then they're going to run some stupid little kicker story and then they're going to toss it to the weatherman and they're going to have a fake laugh and then he's going to go on for three minutes and nothing is... Um, interesting to me. It's all kind of pre-scripted and you're reading someone else's words and the point of TV news that was interesting was if like the teleprompter broke or some, something fell, all of a sudden you would have like a fraction of a second where you would see the real person, the real authentic person. And that to me was the only interesting part of a newscast and you couldn't count on it. Uh, so we set out um, long ago to kind of figure out how do we break these rules and make stuff spontaneous and interesting and not predictable and not know how it's going to end. And the idea was if people kind of stick around to kind of see this isn't the way it's normally done uh, and these guys are kind of breaking the rules. Are they going to get fired or how's this thing going to play out? And uh, that has kind of been I think a lot of the success, and I think to local news is in many ways only gotten worse, right? Like yeah. stiff and predictable. And um, I kind of like that 25 years ago, we were kind of the first ones in local news that tried to break it, that predictability up a little bit. 
Right. And I think with breaking that predictability, the difficulty is, is it's, uh, it is a risk. Like it is a big risk because no one else had done it. And you guys have done it so fantastically. And now something else I want to talk with you is you do meteorology. You know, that in itself is changes from day to day. So how does, what happens on your end if let's say you say it's going to be raining and sunny one day and then all of a sudden the storm comes out of nowhere and at noon it's pouring down rain when you said it was supposed to be sunny, walking your dogs outside type weather. How does that, what happens there? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it's never happened to me personally, but I've heard about this happening to guys in the business. But uh, so here's what I know to be true is that um, I think in Chicago, people think that the weatherman is wrong 75 to 85% of the time. And uh, I had kept track over the years. I think I'm actually like 83% wow. accurate uh, regularly, right? Uh, but because the expectations are so low, everyone thinks, and these guys are wrong all the time. Anyhow, it's a very low threshold that we <laughs> have to live up to, right? The other benefit that we have is that I work in the same office as Tom Skilling, who is like the god of weather in Chicago, and he's so widely respected around the world uh, that um, you know there is this kind of responsibility where we really need to surprisingly a lot of time really thinking through all right, how do we make sure we don't screw this forecast up and get it as close as we can get? And that ultimately is our number one priority. And along with when it becomes severe weather time, we need to be ready to roll so that we can let people know what exactly is going on. And there have been enough days over the last 25 years where we have completely screwed the pooch and gone with a high of 52 and it gets up to 31 and it's snowing. And uh, I am just at this point like that ah, we messed up we got it wrong we bought into the wrong data and uh we'll try again the next day and i think given i, I think people are in chicago especially they're just kind of like listen we we know it's a crapshoot a lot of times and so many people have been wrong along with you that uh no really offended by it oh my gosh and yeah you've been doing this such a long time that i'm sure things have changed right so maybe can we talk a little bit about what's changed because may, maybe you can explain too to the viewers a little bit what goes into putting the, together a forecast because i i know that there's a lot of computer softwares there's a lot of almost like graphic design i don't think people realize that's all you there's no guy doing the button it is entirely as you so would you be able yeah. to talk maybe a little bit about that yeah so it used to be you know i started in the business in 1988 wow uh long before the internet uh and uh cell phones and all that other stuff, right? And so we would uh, get data off of some wire service that they would draw up these maps and charts. And, uh, you know, with time, thank God we have the internet able to, used to be we would have a satellite link that would download images and satellite data and uh, numerical models. And we would spend all of our time looking at these models and try to come up with our forecast. Well, now so much of that is available, frankly, you can get almost all of it on your phone whenever you want. Uh, and so it's just changed dramatically. Uh, and so the data and the models, the number of models and the quality of these forecast models uh, have really transformed our ability to be accurate, to handle storms uh, remarkably better. And uh, just technology is completely different, right? Like now, if you want to look at the radar, you've got it right on your phone, you know, back you know, 25, 30 years ago, just getting a radar shot was uh, a huge task. Uh, so it is cool the way technology has trans transformed everything. So part of what we do every morning 
is that we do, we look through 15, 20 forecast models where one might say today's high is going to be 75, another might say today's high is going to be 95. One might say, we'll say no, one will say rain's going to come at one, other one says it's going to come at seven. And so our job is to kind of filter through and say, we're putting all of our eggs in the basket that there's going to be no rain and we're going to get up to 72. And we're looking at a lot of different data sets. So there are a lot of elements to the job, the combination of kind of being a graphic artist at the lowest level of whatever that means. And then the forecasting analyst, grabbing all that data, we have to present the information clearly. And I also feel like um, along with that, you got to make it interesting somehow. We have this balance of making the weather relevant, efficient, interesting, and um, clear, right? So that people at the end of it go, okay, I know today's going to be 78 degrees and um, there's more that goes into it. The other part of it that has changed is like in the mornings, I wind up, we have a thing where we send out a text message to all of our viewers that I have to send this text message out saying, here's a forecast for today. We do a Facebook forecast. We are sending stuff out to Twitter. Wow. We do stuff for advertisers. We record stuff for WGN radio. Uh, we used to publish stuff for the page of the Chicago Tribune. That's all handled in the afternoon hour. So there's all these other tasks that go along with the job that you wouldn't realize all have to play out. And then on top of that, I'm producing my courtesy desk segments yeah. uh, along with uh, one of our producers, Jeff Hoover. I've got, we write lists for the nine o'clock show. So there's all these things that wind up that take time and energy and thought to produce it and make it work. You don't ever see until we throw it out on the air. So there's a lot that goes into it. Wow. But if there's a really big, let's say, a tornadic yeah. event, how does that change? Because now you have to do this on the spot while you're also live on TV. Does that add any added challenges or whatnot? Yeah, I will say that's a stressful thing for us because to go from this show where you're in the entertainment business to this mindset of we have a responsibility here that if you don't get this information right, people's lives are at risk, right? So that weighs heavily on all of us. And thankfully we kind of, you know, a good 12 hours or two days in advance oftentimes that, hey, there's a potential on Thursday morning that there could be some strong storms kind of are gearing up knowing that potential exists. And then the closer we get into that window, you're absolutely right. The One of the other nice things about working in the mornings is that we're not typically dealing with a lot of severe weather. That usually happens in the afternoon or evening hours. But nonetheless, if we see it's coming, we kind of know, you know, we, I can't be dressed in drag and riding a donkey through the newsroom uh, <laughs> while there is a severe thunderstorm or tornado breaking out. And that's kind of the risk for our entire show is that we don't want to just be viewed as these goofball entertainers, but that we also are capable of handling serious news because ultimately we do want to get the content out and we want to be trustworthy and um, fair presenters of the information. And after a while, we also want to have some fun with it along the way. So it's really complex to do all of it. Oh, it sounds like it. So over your career, would you say that there's one story or one, you know, thing you had to cover that just stands out above some of the other ones in your mind? Um, it could be related to, you know, the meteorology. It could be related to just the news desk. It could be whatever you want. 
Yeah, I think the one story that always sticks out in my mind is back when I first started working, I was working as a news photographer. And I had uh, a long day, and I'll be honest with you, I hated being a news photographer (laughs) because you kind of have this front row look at the side and the like, kind of like the tragedies that take place, right? Like you're pulling up to fires where people's are either dying or they've lost their homes or whatever it is, right? And um, the one story that always sticks in my mind was I got called uh, as I was driving home from work after an already long day. I was told that I needed to go cover this um, shooting of a 16-year-old boy that he was laying, that he was dead. And so I show up with my camera gear and there is this 16 year old boy dead in the front lawn of this house and his mother and sister were in hysterics. And I pull up with my camera to take pictures of it. And I'm supposed to interview the mom or get some sound from there. And like, I was disturbed. Like I was probably 22, 23 years old at the time. And it was just disturbing and sad to see all of this in front of me. Right. And uh, then I'm thinking, ah, somehow or other I'm supposed to go talk to this lady who is in hysterics and she has just lost everything. And I'm going to go ask her for an interview to talk to me in the middle of all this. It just didn't sit well with me at all, right? Like, and I thought, this blows. I'm not going to do that. So I found the police officer, the media rep, and I did an interview with him. And I called the station. I said, I got an interview with the cops. I'm headed back to the station. I've got the video. And my boss said, uh, I want an interview with the mom. Uh, And I said, no, I'm not going to do that because she's in hysterics and she's in a bad place. I don't feel good about doing that. And he said, well, I just saw her on NBC. Uh, She just did an interview and you need to get the interview. And I said, I don't feel comfortable with it. He goes, that's fine. Then you can turn in your gear and you're fired. Wow. uh, Or else get the interview. And I'm like, ah, boy, this blows. This is a bad situation to be in, right? right? So I'm like, all right, this is part of the job. Like that's part of what journalism is about. So I got to find a way where I can walk up to this lady. uh, And to be honest with you, I felt like I was really compromising my ethics or I don't know if it was my ethics, my values, right? Um, And so I walked up to her and I said, the only thing that uh, could give me enough space to encourage to get up there, which was, I just said, I was so sorry for your loss and maybe something that you can tell me about your son that will help us figure out who shot and killed him, which was all true. Um, I didn't really, to be honest with you, I don't know that I really meant it. I was just trying to find some way to be able to justify kind of taking from her in that worst moment. And the reality for me, like I'm a, contrary to what people might think, I'm a tender-hearted guy, right? Who just my heart was broken for this woman and her daughter. And what I really wanted to say was, how can I help you? I'm really sorry for all that you are suffering with. And I wanted to give her a hug or do something, right? right? But you can't do that in the news business, right? You have to kind of stand back. And I'll be honest with you, at the end of that day, I was like, screw this. I got to get out of this business because this part of it blows and I'm not wired for that. Uh, And what's true is that there are people in our business who are wired perfectly for that, Mm -hmm. who can separate themselves and they can ask those really difficult questions to people in their worst moments. 
and they're doing good, like they're doing honorable work. I'm not in any way saying that what they're doing is not noble. They're just wired differently and they can do it. But it ultimately wound up leading. I got back to the station and I went back to the weather office where my best friend was. And I said, oh, this day completely sucks. And I told him about what played out and he goes, yeah, you need to get out of the news department and you need to get into the weather office. This is where you can have a normal life. You can dig into stuff that you enjoy. And that was the beginning of me getting out of hard news and really beginning to pursue uh, forecasting and it turned out to be a pivotal day oh, yeah. for me in the long term of my career because it moved me ultimately into the weather side of things, which has lasted for me a good 20, 30 years. Oh my gosh, that's an incredible story. Now, you know, in addition to doing weather, as we were talking too, you know, we can transfer from like a more somber note to a more happy note. You do all sorts of things, you know. Yeah. I know you do this uh, pedicab routine with, uh, and I just saw that you had, yeah. I'm skilling, you know, how do you do it? How do you get your guests? Can I join you sometime? Cause that just seems fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So it started off as this Conrad in a van in the parking lot, which was this idea of just trying to have some format where we can screw around with the people that our viewers see every day at WGN and see them in a different context, right? And then when COVID hit, we couldn't do anything in cars or vans. We just kind of had to shut it down. And then we were trying to figure, well, how do we bring it back? And the best way to bring it back was to do something open air. And we went with this idea of a pedicab, right? We circled the parking lot. We were, and literally some of the people we have to contact, like Skilling, the producer has to talk to the news director and say, hey, can we have Skilling? He asked Skilling and Skilling then says, yeah, I'll come in an hour early and we can hang out. And um, But there are certain people like that. And there's other people that I know I could just run into them in the parking lot. And they'll be glad to sit in there and we can... Uh, make some stuff happen but skilling while he's uh on while i'm on the subject of him is just an amazing guy right like it is so cool to work in an office with this guy who has a mind like i have never experienced anybody before because he is brilliant that you know i, I don't uh it's almost like he's a savant right who can pull numbers and has got this memory recall that i've never seen one year we had these guys showing us some sales guys were trying to sell us satellite data and they came in and they set up all these monitors with this satellite loop on it. And Skilling looks at it and goes, oh, that's uh, August 14th, uh, 1997. I remember that day we had a high of 84 and I'm looking at it going, I can't believe, like I couldn't tell you what the satellite looked like this morning, let alone he's wow. got recall from 10, 15 years ago. So he's got this mind that is beyond anything that I've seen. One day it rained like 2.84 inches of rain in an hour. And Tom says, how much rain was? I go 2.84. And in his head, he was mathematically calculating the millions of gallons of water that were falling per second in Cook County. And that's a long, long number. And he writes it out and I'm like, ah, oh, this guy, he's a genius, right? So it's cool working with him and he's got this great heart. He's a good hearted guy as well. So uh, it's cool to work in his office. I, to be honest with you, I get a lot of positive credibility just working in the same office with him because people assume they're not going to hire this moron. Uh, he's going to screw up skilling stuff. So that helps me out a little bit. I think people trust me a little bit more. 
So what do you guys do together? So you're saying you're working in the same office. I, I'm not really familiar with like the weather office. What is your interaction like on a typical day? Is he there like nowadays, like now at this time working for his forecast later tonight? Well, you know, everything got changed around with COVID, right? So it used to be that he would do the noon show. And uh, so we would run into each other a lot more often then. But now that he's just doing late afternoons and evenings, he's usually rolling in around one the majority of the time. And so I don't typically see him. Uh, but with COVID, it was so weird because for a long stretch, no one was working in the weather office. And then for the last maybe six or eight months, I was the only one working out of there. I'm in there by myself. There's room for half or there's room for like a dozen people in there. Wow. And it was odd just being the only person in there. But um, one of the things that is cool, so like typically because Demetrius Ivy now, Ivory does our 11 to one show, I'll see him as I'm leaving. And typically you know, we'll have a brief conversation if you know, we've made a graphic or we're looking at this particular model and thinking that we'll have a quick debrief uh, or something along those lines. But uh, it's never terribly formal. And um, there is this thing, right, where people often say, well, why don't you just run Skilling's forecast from the night prior? Uh, and the reality is we're looking at forecast models that have new data every hour. And so as much as as easy as it would be to run Skilling's from the night before, frankly, by the time we even get in, 80% of the data is old and we've got new information to work from. Wow, that's crazy. And you were talking about COVID here. And there's a couple of things I'll talk about that because you guys did a socially distanced and at, at, at points you did a stay at home broadcast. So how did that work doing broadcasting from your own house with like equipment and stuff? Please like share a little bit about that if you can, because that, that's impressive that you guys had to do that. Yeah, yeah. you will be amazed to know how um, simple it wound up being. So basically what they did was they gave us, they gave me like three laptops and four monitors and a software program for my iPhone. And they told me to find a stand for my iPhone, run this software program. And that was going to be how I was going to get on the air. And literally every day for six, eight months, I was doing the show off of iPhone, wow. uh, which you kind of go, that's insane, right? And all of us were, right? Like pretty much everybody who was working from home, the great majority of them are doing it off of their iPhones. Uh, so that to me is crazy that technology has come that far, right? Yeah. That, frankly, if I wanted to get on WGN right now, I've got the software on my phone and I could call them up and say, hey, take me right now. And within five minutes, I could be on TV. Wow. It's crazy. That is, and that is it's all done on Wi-Fi, I'm assuming? Like just, that is incredible that that works and also yeah, that was that was a big that was the hardest part was to make sure that everyone had enough juice in their wi-fi right. uh to make sure that you know you weren't gonna you know freeze thing but and i've got pretty good wi-fi here at my house so it's it was crazy right and uh as far as lighting goes everyone was kind of just figuring it out on their own i went and bought one of those ring lights yeah. and attached my camera to it and it worked out perfectly, right? Yeah. And you didn't even have to, like, we always thought, you know, they would always talk about the view from your house, you know, uh, that's got to be nice, you know, don't not have to go in, into work. Um, but the real question is, were you like a dress from the waist up yeah. or were you for the whole body where you dress, you know, and like the, or did you have like the pajama pants on, you know, under with your polo shirt? Yeah. I always was wearing shorts. I don't think that I was wearing shorts. Uh, the other secret part of it is that 
throughout the show, like there's typically my longest, you know, window of more than 10 minutes. But about a month and a half into it, I figured out I've got a window here of 10 minutes where I can run downstairs. I can get some breakfast and still get back on the air within 10 minutes and feel fresh. And so that became this regular routine where I'm like, all right, I can get a lot done here in 10 minutes. So that was, there was a lot of convenience uh, from working from home. Oh my gosh. And then the beard, can you talk about that? I know you were growing out a beard during uh, COVID. Was that just, uh, you still have it. Was that just like a COVID thing, you know, just to help get you through? Um, You know, I think a lot of it, I don't even know. uh, I went, there was a stretch where it was getting really (laughs) long long and bushy. Uh, I think a lot of it is just keeping it simple for me. Uh, And uh, when you're waking up in the middle of the night, you're typically trying to figure out, all right, what is the least that I can do so that I can sleep longer. And I think that kind of became the thing that uh, really drove uh, the beard for a long period of time. And now I'm kind of like, oh, I'm just gonna stick with it for a while. That's awesome. So now that we're back in the studio, you have this thing called, and I wanna to talk to you about this Friday forecaster. We bring in a, student, a young student to do a forecast. How does that work out? Because that's always gotta be a risk. You know that, you know, this is important time for people to see the weather. And if this is yeah. the only time they have, you know, how do you do that? What goes into it? Another fun part of the show. So we have uh, this relationship with a company called Weatherbug. And what uh, throughout Chicagoland School purchases Weatherbug equipment, and there's some programs that go along with it. And so what we have done is we contact those schools that have the Weatherbug equipment. We ask the principal, can you send us your best, you know, seven to 10 year old kid? And um, we're going to have them be our Friday forecast. I think the reason why it works is because there's a good deal of um, suspense and unpredictability in how a seven-year-old is going to handle themselves being on TV, right? Like they could have a meltdown, they could say something they're not supposed to say. Uh, And so for me, that's the fun of that segment is just trying to see, all right, are we going to get something out of this kid that might be interesting? The downside also is that sometimes you get some kids who have nothing to say and you're really just kind of milking it for anything that you can get. Uh, But it has turned out, I think, to be a, uh, the other reality is we're constantly running the crawl underneath. I always go back and forth with, you know, on a severe weather day, forecaster, but most people kind of get it. We're going to take a 10, one of our 5,000 weather hits in the morning to give one to a kid. And I think there's enough entertainment value in there. And the kids typically get the forecast in there as well. And uh, it's just worked out to be a nice segment that I'll be also, you know, in, in honesty for me also, um, you know, there's so much negative stuff in our news and in our culture around kids. And we see the worst of our society. We put it on display in our newscast every day, right? So idea that we're saying, hey, we're pulling one of the best kids out of a school and we're going to give him the limelight so that maybe we're reminded in a small way that really the great majority of what's going on in this country is being done by really good people. Right. Uh, and so I think there's some value and be an innocent little kid be excited about being on TV. And I like that part of it. I like that too. And uh, something else I like want to do is I want to play a quick game with you that I have. Um, what, what I love doing on these shows is bringing, it's kind of t- switching the tables here. You guys play games. Good. All right. 
Now, I'm going to play games with you. And this is Rapid Fire with Paul Conrad and Aaron Hannah. And, Paul, the, game, the rules of this game are really simple. I'm going to be asking you a series of questions that are pretty simple. And you're just going to ask them as answer them as quickly as you can. Are you ready, Flavor? I'm ready. All right, yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right, I don't want the first one. What's your favorite ice cream? Uh, vanilla. If you had one wish, what would it be and why? Uh, my, <laughs> my one wish... Uh, would be uh, to live forever. Ooh, I like that. Because I'd like to see what's going on playing in the future. I like that. And we can get your forecast forever. We'll never, we'll never see the end of a, of a Paul Conrad forecast. I like that. If you, had one superpower, if you had one superpower for one day, what superpower would you want to have? Uh, I would like to be able to be invisible and sneak in and see what's going on in big places. <laughs> I like that. Now, is a hot dog considered a sandwich? Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> do you have any cool hidden talents? I don't. <laughs> I'm sad to say I don't think I really do. You know, I've long, long thought that uh, yeah, I could do this uh, show. You know, that was done in mime uh, that I've been pushing, and uh, I have come to learn that it blows and it's not worth doing. So I thought it was something special, but I've I've come to accept that it's not that good. Can I ask you, this is not a question on the card, where did you come up with the idea for a show like that? It's, I'm just genuinely interested. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think I did this courtesy desk segment once and it was sock puppet day or something like that. And I remember taking my shoes off and my socks off and Robin Baumgart so had feet uh, that she couldn't, not, she couldn't bear to watch it, right? And so I've got my two socks on my hand, trying to do this stupid sock puppet skit. Uh, and she was more offended by my feet than by the, the sock puppets. And I thought, I'm going to keep pursuing that. And that's kind of where it all began. Oh, my God. That is too funny. Now, what's a favorite quote or saying that you live by? Ooh, uh, I would say bend at the knees. Uh, it's one of the, you know, in life, you know, things get heavy. If you don't bend at the knees. You're going to throw your back out or something's not going to go right. The other one that I use on occasion is to not sweat the petty things, to pet the sweaty things. And <laughs> that always gets me in trouble as well. <laughs> Do you have a favorite TV show or movie other than WGN News? You know, I'm not a TV watcher and I'm not a movie guy either. Maybe if you like, a, maybe you're a reader type person then instead of movies? I'm not a reader either. That's the other sad part of it. I read a lot of uh, like news information stuff, but uh, I used to say that my favorite movie was this movie called Waking Ned Divine, which was some Irish independent film. And when I saw it, I thought, oh, this is really a great movie. And so then I talked my daughter into watching it with me you know, like 10 years later and we watched it. And I'm like, that movie wasn't really that good. I don't know why I thought it was that good. <laughs> of a movie it was average at best so i'll stick with waking the divide oh, thank you for playing rapid fire and um before we go are there any big news stories you can give me so i can have a big headline out of this at the tribune so all the news we got uh, so we got david Muir oh, let's, let's see. yeah let's see i mean the best uh, big headline let's see uh the only thing that's coming to my mind right now is that I, I've been at the station for a long time and I've built up all this vacation time that I've not been able to use. And the headline for me is that I think I'm only working like 10 days now in August 15th. 
So I've got like this amazing summer of non-work ahead of me, and that's as good of a headline as I could ask for. Oh, I like that. I like that. So where can people find you on social media aside from TV? Do you have a, do you do any podcasts or anything like that where they can listen to? Yep. So I'm on, uh, I'm on um, Twitter at uh, Paul Conrad. Uh, I am on Instagram at WGN Conrad. And uh, I am on Facebook at WGN Paul Conrad in a good solid marketing scheme. I've got all three of those with different addresses to confuse people and make it even harder for them to find me. So I don't do a ton of social media. Uh, I know it's important. Um, at times I'm kind of like, oh, social media, it's a lot of work. Um, and there's also a lot of BS on there that I like my time with that stuff for. But I'm there and I'm probably on Instagram the most posting stuff about what I'm up to. I like that. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you guys for listening. This is Aaron Hanneo with Paul Conrad.